And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and bake! Shake and bake. Shake it, bake it! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. I think for K-State, in order to be successful, you're going to have to open up that passing game. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's Shake and Bake time. John, what's for dinner? Beef is what's for dinner. Beef! Beef. Beef. Welcome Beef. into the Shake and Blake Show live here on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove as always. John, how are you? I'm doing good. Well, it's kind of rainy out, so I'm a little bit cold. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the cozy comforts of McCain Auditorium now. It's, it could have been worse. We're not. We're not in. We're not out in the frozen tundra. Yeah. Were you? A, did like the rain wake you up at all over the night? Because uh, it did for just me. Like, just like one light. Just okay. like one thunder, thundering crash. Okay. It's not. Well, been, it's not been too bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Once again, you're listening to the Shake and Blake Show live here in Wildcat right. 919 with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you here. We got an interview with Jared Gerald Goodridge from Longhorn Republic to help us preview the Texas game. We're doing Wildcat headlines. We'll recap K State men's and women's basketball opening their seasons this week in exhibition action, as well as the volleyball team. We'll go around the Big Twelve, see what other games are happening in football. So we'll talk about Gonzaga possibly looking into joining the Big Twelve, as well as Bill Self's four-game suspension self-imposed by the university for. Um, some recruiting uh, allegations. I don't know if they're allegations, but violations that happened five years ago. Um, we'll give our keys to victory and a score prediction for the matchup against Texas. And we'll as well preview some Omigo High School football playoff action against Rose Hill that will take place at the top of the hour. But before we continue further, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake785. Because we don't just do uh, episodes here on Wildcat 91.9. We'll do a recap um, this coming Monday, as well as we'll recap the uh, season openers next week for the women's and women's basketball team in a doubleheader on Monday. So that should be a lot of fun. And make sure to leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Again, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Shake and Blake. Now, let's before we hear from Joe, our interview with Joe Goodrich, um, let's just touch quickly on this Texas matchup. I'm just going to ask you one question, John. Okay. Um, this is a really important game. Um, Texas is still a contender for the Big 12 title. They're coming off a bye week. Should be a really fun game. 6 p.m. tomorrow on Fox. My question is, if both quarterbacks are healthy, who do you play? I just want to name. We'll give a lot more detail later on. Adrian Martinez or Will Howard? Got to go with a hot hand, Will Howard. You know, I actually agree with you, John. But I think there's an argument to be made for Adrian Martinez. But we'll get into that argument uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but for now, we're going to pause for 60 seconds, and then we're going to. Um, we got the chance earlier today to speak with Gerald Goodrich from Longhorn Republic. Um, I think it was a really good interview. He's a really nice guy for a Texas fan, obviously, mm-hmm. but he's a really, really classy guy. I think he has some great insights into Texas. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. He's one. Of, he's one of the only media outlets for Texas that's actually good. <laughs> yeah, of the many media outlets, he, I think he does a pretty good job with Burn Orange Nation. So that interview with Joe Goodrich from Longhorn Republic to help us preview Texas is next on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. All right. 
the tension in the Zoom meeting is palpable. We have a Texas fan in our midst. Uh, Gerald Goodrich from the Longhorn Republic joins us. Thank you so much for taking the time, Gerald. Um, now, obviously, it's a little bit of old news, but you guys are heading to the SEC in a couple of years. And this, I mean, this could possibly be the last time that Texas plays in Manhattan for a very long time. So how are Texas fans feeling right now about the move to the SEC, especially considering what the Big 12 has been doing over the past few months? Uh, I think Texas fans are still excited. I think there's like that level of like cautious optimism. It almost feels like, and this is not meant to denigrate the big 12. It's just the only like metaphor I could think of in my head. It's like you graduate high school and you're going off to college. You don't know what's going to come. You know, it's going to be different. You know, it's going to be weird, but you're not quite sure how to wrap your arms around and figure out what the heck is going to be. I feel like there's some of that in the Texas fan base. It's like, we're excited. Um, I think we're excited to offer some of the home games of the for the season ticket holders and for fans um, that are going to come with joining the SEC, getting some of those storied programs um, to come to Austin. And we saw what it was like when Alabama was in Austin for the non-conference game. It was one of the best home environments Texas has seen in quite some time. Um, and so I think that's like the big level of excitement. I'm really excited to not be here for basketball season in a couple of years because the Big 12 just continues to be just a meat grinder. I've argued for a long time that the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in the country. Um, and it's just getting like, what the heck are they doing trying to bring Gonzaga into this mess? Like, it's just going to be just a room, a ball of knives rolling around constantly every week. It's just, it's just nuts. It, it is an, an infinite gauntlet um, without a doubt. So the expectations for Texas, they were pretty high end of a season. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, he has a slew of all-star talent across the board and He's got the guys uh, that have been capable of, uh, that are capable of uh, reaching the next level. Um, eight games in with a bye week this past Saturday. Our perception, Blake, you, I guess you can kind of agree to this. It's been kind of a mixed bag. Um, currently five and three, needing one more win to become bowl eligible. Dealt with some health issues early on uh, in the season in regards to Hudson Card. Um, had some close losses to Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, and of course Alabama which I thought was one of the more enjoyable games to watch while K-State was in a rain delay. Um, <laughs> but you also had some big wins as well. I mean, just completely thrashing Oklahoma. I mean, which I, I was honestly quite happy to see. There, some of their fans need to be humbled. Um, and then uh, scoring 20 points against one of the better defenses in the country in Iowa State. So what, what has been your perspective on the Longhorn season so far? Yeah, I, I had more measured expectations going into the year. I had Texas as like, I, I put it in like our Slack channel that we have for Burn Orange Nation that like I I had Texas somewhere at like an eight and four, nine and three as like the, the ceiling. Like that would be like something that I'd be okay with. And that was before two massive injuries hit in preseason camp, right? Isaiah Nayor got a tra big transfer in wide receiver. And then honestly, the one that I think hurt Texas more is um, fifth year senior guard, Junior Angulao went out. Same practice both blue knees in the same practice. So like I questions about that, like what the heck is happening on the turf over there. Uh, but like my expectation was nine and three before Texas lost two presumptive massive keys to the offense, a piece of the offense. And so um, it has been, I think it's frustrating because you could see even with those losses, Texas is, has a shot to win these games. Texas has an opportunity. Um, it was in literally every one of these games that they lost up until the last little bit. Um, and so I think for, um, for Texas fans, it feels there's this weird tension of like, is it more of the same or are we showing progress? Because we've been saying for years that Texas, you know, if, if the shoe could fall the other way, if the, if the coin flips go tails instead of heads, right. Uh, then Texas is a 10 win team every year. And so we've been saying that I've, you know, I've been saying that for 13 seasons now. So it feels like, um, 
I think we'll know more about this team coming out of this weekend. Honestly, I think what do they do in the bye week? How do they coach up Quinn Ewers? How do they coach up the defense to kind of plug some of those holes in the back end, the middle back of the defense, for lack of a better term? Um, but for me overall, I think I am frustrated with the continued road struggles. You know, Steve Sarkeesian's like one and six on the road. So that like scares the absolute crap out of me coming into this game. Uh, but I also see the progress that they're making. I think um, landing Arch Manning in this recruiting class, if, if he could hold it together, um, has bought Steve Sarkeesian at least a, a couple of uh, grace points in here with boosters, getting that kid in there um, and hopefully potentially can hold that, that top 10 recruiting class together. Uh, we'll go a long way to what, where the expectations are in the future. Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead and talk about this Texas offense now. Obviously, Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy are the big names that pop out for the Texas offense. You know, Bijan Robinson, I believe he's rushed for over 100 yards, six games in a row. Um, you know, he's only 18 yards ahead of Deuce Vaughn. Seeing those two go um, against each other is going to be a lot of fun. I don't know why we didn't get Big Noon kickoff. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, it's I don't know why they're going to TCU. But anyway, let's let's get back to this game here. Um, I kind of want to focus on Quinn Ewers. I think he's kind of been an interesting evolution so far this season. He's obviously had some injury concerns, did great against Oklahoma, you know, did pretty well against Iowa State. Um, you know, the, the Oklahoma State game was a bit, uh, I don't know, I don't really know how you would describe it, but talk to me about what you've seen from Quinn Ewers and what you kind of see him um, doing in this game on Saturday. I think you have to talk a little bit about um, like he's a freshman and he's playing in like he hasn't really played meaningful football since December of 2020. Right. When you think about it, he played in the state championship game, banged up, declared, uh, reclassified in the middle of fall camp as a, as a senior, went to Ohio State, collected a couple of checks and then transferred to Austin to be there where he when he wanted to be there anyways. Um, and so we have like part of the conversation with Queen Ewers is like this is he's a 19 year old quarterback who is going into really hostile environments, Oklahoma state, say what you want about how close they are to the sidelines and injury concerns, but like they've done what they need to do to create a really hostile environment. And I think that got into his head a little bit in that game specifically. I think um, you see the ceiling of Quinn Ewers, what he did, you know, in the first quarter against Alabama, he was on a record setting pace against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now they're not the Alabama Crimson Tide defense of you know, the last couple of years, but it's still, Alabama it's still big bad Bama and you again you see the ceiling of what he can do um, and so what my impression of Quinn Ewers is he's a young quarterback that's growing into it he's going through the I, lo I lock on to my first receiver because I could make that throw in high school I've got, I was the best player on my team by 50 percent best player on the field on any given Friday. So like I could just make this throw and it's going to work out. And that's just not how it goes. Right. I think of there's an old Bob Stoops quote. I have to make fun of Bob Stoops just because I'm a Texas fan, but when they, anytime they would lose a like, game, they shouldn't have, he always said, there are guys have scholarships too. Right. And like, that's what I think about when Quinn Ewers makes these like questionable throws. And so uh, my hope for him is that this, these last two weeks have been, um, Sark and AJ Mill, we kind of coaching him to take the easier, like you don't have to get hit the home run every at bat, right? Singles and doubles win baseball games too. So like, that's really what I'm hoping for. It's like, I was screaming at the TV. The tight ends were open over the middle several times against Oklahoma state. Like just take, take Gunnar Helm for six yards. Dear God, just throw it over the tight end in the middle. He's bigger than anybody on the field. How can you miss him? So like, those are the things that I really want to see him improve on. Uh, but to answer your question succinctly, He's a young quarterback who's got a really high ceiling um, and the floor needs to be shored up. So Gerald switching to the upper side of the ball, defensive coordinator, and you can correct me if I say this wrong, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski, is, is, is that right? That's uh, as close as I think anybody's going to get. 
Nice. Call him PK. <laughs> PK. Uh, so he's had a year of building up a defense. Uh, it looks a lot more significant than it has last season when comparing the numbers. I believe the defense, they gave up an average of 31 points, 200 plus yards last season. Uh, this year, Texas has given up only, um, only an average of 21 points and 121 yards. Uh, oh, and then on top of that, you're also building up a defensive staff with the addition of Gary Patterson, a really defensive minded coach uh, from TCU, also a K-State alum as well. Uh, so hit, hit, hitting into this matchup against one of the better K-State offenses that we've seen over the past few years, what does Texas offer this Saturday when it comes to defensively speaking? Who are some of the key players we have to keep an eye on? Yeah, there, I could run off a, a litany of like interior defensive linemen that nobody's ever going to like. That is to me the strength of what Texas has done and how they've improved pretty significantly over year to year. Um, you've got a guy like Keandre Coburn who's who came back for another year because frankly he was he did not live up to the billing that he had um, in his previous four years and he's playing like it's a contract year. He's been disruptive. He's been a block eater and he's really letting the linebackers play really quite free, uh, which has been a big unlock for the defense. Um, so the guys in the middle, the 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 run defense specifically uh, have really allowed Texas's linebackers to flourish. Demarvin Overshone is easily the most talented cat on that defensive side of the ball. Um, he's a, he's a five-star safety that spun down to a uh, linebacker. He's like the proof case for that, like tweener, like six foot, 200 ish safety. That's probably too big to play defensive back. Like just eat a couple of peanut butter sandwiches, play linebacker and you'll get drafted in the NFL. Like that's what he's done. Um, and it's worked out really well. And then um, Jalen Ford has been a massive like revelation for this defense at, at the interior linebacker spot specifically. That was a sieve for Texas in previous years. They had former walk-ons trying to cover all conference tight ends, right? Like those, that's just, that's not going to work for anybody. That's why Iowa state always killed Texas in the middle because they had no, no, knocks to the Brockermeyers. We love that family, but like the walk on Brock was not getting it done. Um, and so Jalen Ford, who honestly has no business playing as well as he had, he was a, the number 1200 recruit. He was a late flip from Utah. Um, and he's just leveled up this year. He's been a tackle vacuum. Uh, I haven't looked at the stats of this week after the bye, but like going into the bye, he was leading the conference of tackles. He's just been a guy who's been there um, and makes root makes the routine plays that Texas defenses haven't made in the past. And that's a weird thing to say, but like Texas missed tackles, they blew tackles, they blew assignments, and he's just not doing that. And that is a massive uh, change in improvement. Like the little things are really what makes a good defense. And, and he's doing the little things right. Now, this Texas defense is playing K-State at a really interesting time. Obviously, you're coming off a of bye week, but K-State's got a little bit of a quarterback controversy with, you know, how well Will Howard played in the time he got against TCU and then obviously against Oklahoma State. Um, just from your perspective, just from my own curiosity, do you have any preference for who, as a Texas fan, who you'd like to face, Adrian Martinez or Will Howard? Playing Adrian Martinez would give me Colin Klein as a quarterback flashbacks. Like I, I, to this day, like Colin Klein is a great person, but I hate him as a football player. Like I, he ruined too many of my Saturdays. Um, and so like, I would much prefer and Texas in recent years has struggled with, with quarterbacks that are runners. It just hasn't worked out. Max Duggan has a field day against Texas defenses each and every uh, time he plays and he licks his chops for that game. So like I personally, just because like I have like internalized trauma with, with running quarterbacks against Texas defenses, like I was there for the game that Manny Diaz got canned, right? Like when uh, Taysom Hill got an NFL contract out of that one Saturday. Uh, so like, I prefer the guy who um, doesn't like to run as much just because I, and I also think it's easier to defend generally right if you don't have to account for the quarterback's legs as much that takes a player off of the board for your scheme 
Totally. You totally just made my day with that quote about Colin Klein. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. All right. So um, this game on Saturday, it's if Texas was wants to make it to Arlington, it's pretty much a must win game. This is really an opportunity for Texas to maybe kind of, I don't want to say turn it around, but maybe flip a switch and start getting some positive momentum if they want to have, you know, bigger hopes of not, you know, getting um, to Arlington. Um, so what do you think Texas needs to do in this game to have success against K-State tomorrow? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think you're absolutely right. Like this is this is a must win for the goals of their season, right? After they lost um, to Texas Tech, Sark went on the podium like, you know, our goal was to play in Arlington, and so this is a must win for them. Um, and based on like tiebreaker rules, that they need to win by like four touchdowns, which I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but um, I think specifically for me, and I've said it already, like I I need the guards and the center to like not suck. It's really like my biggest thing, right? Uh, Texas was absolutely gashing Oklahoma State. Bijan Robinson went off in the first half against Oklahoma State and then in the second half like the guards just forgot how to block like Oklahoma State was crashing down doing basic twist stunts and slant stunts and creating some havoc in the blocking scheme and that caused Texas to really abandon the run for you know, 10 or 15 minutes, which is what put them in the hole that they ended up losing the game for. So I think that to me is like the biggest thing when, when Texas becomes one dimensional and teams can play a safety over the top of Xavier worthy, and they can really have a safety watching his eyes. Cause he's still, ha I mean, he's 19, he's got some bad eye discipline. So if they can avoid that um, and really continue to play two dimensional, my other kind of big thing, and I've been standing on this, this podium for two years. The reason why Texas has had all these second half meltdowns is because they can't score for the first 10, 10 ish minutes of the, of the third quarter. It just had, I, I would need to go look at the exact point differentials, but like the last three losses I can remember off the top of my head, the defense has gone three and out on the first three drives and the offense scored zero points. And like that to me, if they put up one touchdown in any of those games, Texas wins those three games. And so like that to me is like, can you come out? Can you, you're going to get adjusted against in the locker room at halftime. So can you out chess? the other coordinator that's my biggest thing it's like it's all a lot of it's on Stark's shoulders can he scheme up a touchdown in the you know the first eight minutes or 10 minutes of the third quarter well I mean it's definitely going to be a really interesting matchup tomorrow 6 p.m on FS1 couldn't get Fox unfortunately going to a game five and six for the World Series so it is what it is but thank you so much for taking the time Gerald and good luck for the rest of the season thanks fellas glad to be here that was Gerald Goodrich from Longhorn Republic. You can find their podcast, uh, Longhorn Republic, part of the Burnt Orange Nation Network, wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Uh, Gerald's Twitter is at GH Goodridge. Uh, coming up next on the Shaken Blake Show, Blake Crawford and John Gove do some Wildcat headlines around the Big 12, give our keys to victory score prediction, and will Migo High School football next on the Shaken Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove here to do some Wildcat headlines. Let's start with men's basketball. Jerome Tang makes mm -hmm. his debut appearance as a head coach for Kansas State in an exhibition beating Washburn 76-49. to John, I would describe this team's style of play, especially in those first 10 minutes, as controlled chaos. And oh, I am yeah. totally here for it. I am here for it. They were just so athletic, so fluid on the offense. They have length. I mean, it, it just looked like... Um, they, they had everything controlled. They held Washburn to like four minutes. I mean, no, <laughs> four points, four points in, in the, like the first 10 to 12 minutes. Like that was, I mean, that was as controlled of a game as I've seen from a K-State team for, for so long. I mean, 
I mean, this is no shot towards Bruce Weber or, any, or anything like that, but I have never seen a K-State offense that was more fluid, more connected, um, just finish, and especially finishing through the glass as well and just battling through the glass as well in general. Yeah, I mean, we won the rebounding battle by a lot, 54 to 38. A couple things else, other things that stood out to me, John. Cam Carter, he got the starting lineup nod over Desi Sills and Tyke Green. He mm-hmm. led the team in scoring. I think he played really well. He may be a young guy. He's one of the first people to transfer to K-State, but he could be a key player. He had 13 points. Naquan Tomlin also came off the bench. So in the exhibition, our starting lineup, my starting lineup prediction was a little bit wrong, but he was the second leading scorer with 11 points. Also, John, I mean, points in the paint, 46 to 12. You gotta love that. 46 points. That's, I mean, just 40, just 46 points coming from the K State bigs. Yeah, and Washburn scored 49 points in total. I mean, we almost outscored them in just points in the paint. Um, but it all wasn't, you know, um, sunshines and rainbows. Yeah. Um, some concerns. Uh, one of them bigger deal than the other. You can't shoot 52 percent from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. I like how much we got to the free throw line. 52% is absolutely unacceptable. you got to make your free throws. Hopefully they're shooting hundreds of them in practice this week. Um, another thing, the turnover count was pretty high yeah. at 19. I think this one's pretty solvable. I think it's just a team chemistry thing. As they get to know each other better and their tendencies on the basketball court over time, I think this won't be a problem. And, uh, and uh, looking up here in some of the press conferences, this is something that um, Jerome Tang was addressing that he could be expecting. And, you know, for a lot of teams, even for Washburn's sakes as well, uh, I mean, it, it's just getting all the rust all behind you. I mean, you're going to have some of the turnovers, but um, hopefully this team is able to learn that, uh, learn from that, uh, able to control the ball a little bit more, hitting hitting four. Yeah, they play their opening season game this Monday in a doubleheader with women's basketball. The men are playing University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Speaking of women's basketball, John, let's go ahead and talk about what they've done. Um, they're... Um, um, exhibition game against Newman is tipping off like they just went live on right ESPN now. Plus right as we speak so they're probably doing the intro right now but anyway let's talk about their game that did happen on Monday against Fort Hayes State winning 74 to 63 it wasn't a dominant win not as dominant as you'd want it to be maybe mm-hmm. but you know there were still some uh, good things to take away from that uh, game yeah they used an impressive first half start to extend the winning streak uh, in an exhibition play to what is it like yeah I think they're pointing out 28 consecutive uh, exhibitions at K-State's won uh it was not. It was not uh, pretty late in the third quarter. Fort Hayes cut a cut the lead to as close as one at one point. Um, well, actually, oh dang it, I had it mixed up. But oh well, it is what it is. Um, but Fort Hayes kept it close uh, near the third quarter. It was forty-seven, forty-six. Um, but you know, K State. I believe they went on an eight-zero run uh, to to get a little bit more of a jump start in the fourth quarter. Uh, Gabby Gregory. Mm-hmm. Man, she is gonna be really the linchpin. If K State did not have her, the offense may have been may have been spiring a little bit. Bradley Glenn, Glenn also added 15 points. Uh, Gregory had, uh, uh, had 22 points and pulled a team high nine rebounds. Yeah, and Serena Sundell as well. I mean, she was a big talking point coming to this season. Seven points, eight assists, seven rebounds, and two steals. Bit of a funky stat line, but she's still making it happen on the floor. Again, they also opened their season in an official match against Central Arkansas on Monday right before 
uh, the men's basketball game against University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. So yeah, I think tickets are like 10 bucks to go and see both teams open their season. So you're definitely going to go want to check that, that oh, out at yeah. Bramblish Coliseum mm-hmm. starting at 5.30 p.m. Let's go on to go a, more of a somber note, John, and talk about volleyball. They played KU in Lawrence on Wednesday, um, got swept. They lost the second and third sets bad, 16-25, 15-25. They're 12-11 and 11 on the season. And it's just an overall pretty poor performance by Susie Fritz's squad. It was it was just absolutely disappointing. I mean, this team has been looking as if it's been improving. Like, they've been b- battling with some of these higher-ranked teams with Baylor and Texas. But um, after the first set, they, were, they just looked depleted. It just didn't look like they wanted to be there. Um, but Lauren Hengel, she posted a 27 assist night and notched nine digs in the process. Shaylee Myers collected one, eight, one ace uh, as well. Um, Haley Warner led the team with nine kills, but overall, I mean, the KU defense just got all over um, K-State late, and they pretty much took control starting the second set. Yeah, I mean, they got out-killed, out John, 52-35. to 35. Yeah. They had 14 airs to KU's nine. Just overall pretty perform- pretty poor performance. They're looking to bounce back against Iowa State um, as, as we speak on the road. So we'll see if they can do that. And then they will get a little break before they play West Virginia at home next Thursday. Now let's talk about some Big 12 news, John. And let's start with the news that uh, Brett Yormark has met with the Gonzaga AD about possibly joining the Big 12. What are, you, what are you taking away from this, John? So the sources indicate that Gonzaga has been exploring a lot of options. Most recently, uh, Bear Affleck director Chris Ford. he met with Brent Yormark in Frisco. I think Gonzaga was having an exhibition. Um, but um, looking at this from, from a realignment perspective, um, on the basketball side, it's just adds to more. Uh, oh my gosh! The chaos. You get Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, Houston, Gonzaga. I mean, just a complete, <laughs> complete load of a conference. I mean, just inject that into my inject the March Madness theme into my veins. Um, so from the basketball side, I think it's great. It makes sense for both sides, especially considering when Gonzaga still has Mark View on the sidelines. Uh, they're just gonna. Con- completely steamroll the the West Coast Conference. Um, But, I mean, of course, the problem is is without a football program, you're not going to benefit too much from a a dollar perspective. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, yeah. I mean, you'll get some some benefits from the NCAA tournament. Um, Who knows? Especially now with Fox, uh, uh, with the Big 12, uh, maybe they could could give a little more of an – of a clause there to add Gonzaga because they are one of the more premier powers in uh, college basketball these days with the likes of KU, North Carolina, and Duke. Um, but I, I am a little bit concerned about this as well because we've seen this before when the football teams are matched with the basketball teams in the old Big East Conference. The old Big East had eight teams, uh, and then they had like eight or nine basketball teams like Villanova, uh, Villanova, Marquette, all those teams. They mushed them all together, and when the when the big boys from the ACC or the Big Ten, when they came calling, like, it, I mean, there was a significant difference when it came to revenue between those conferences in the Big East, which is why Syracuse and Pitt departed, West Virginia joined the Big 12. Um, I mean, they're just going to value football more. But, um, I mean, if, it, if it's to a lesser extent with this move, if, if something's able to be managed between – uh, between your mark and some of the executives at Fox or ESPN and Gonzaga, uh, I mean, I love this move. 
it gives BYU a reg- somewhat of a regional rival. I mean, Brett Yormark also wanted to mention you go coast to coast. Uh, so you go from Orlando, Florida to Spokane, Washington. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, that is that, – that everybody would just be in for a rude awakening. Even Bob Huggins said um, – uh, with Gonzaga will be getting a mass massively uh, rude awakening uh, when joining the Big 12 <laughs> because you're not dealing with any of the yeah. cupcakes like Pepperdine or Pacific. Uh, instead, now you're dealing with uh, KU and Baylor every night. So, I mean, it's if this does come into fruition, one, I wonder who's going to be the travel partner. My preference, well, who's going to be the other team that's added? My preference is personally Creighton just because of a regionality. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is, will this either be value added to the Big 12 or will it be value diluted uh, for the Big 12? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it'd be good for the conference overall for basketball. But when you're talking about dollar signs, it gets a little more questionable. But again, that's something that's going to take a long time to play itself out. And it's just in talks right now. I mean, Gonzaga is considering the Pac-12 and I believe the ACC like they, they, very vaguely. They, they weren't. They were oh no, not the ACC. They oh, were sorry. in talks with the uh, Pac-12 and the Big East. Big but some East, of those yeah, talks sorry. were uncertain. And just based on how I- history indicates, I think Gonzaga would prefer the Big 12 over the Pac-12. Mainly, well, for one, the Pac-12. They said no to religious schools, no to non-research universities. And on the other hand, for Gonzaga's sakes. Why would you want to play in, like, Cal or Stanford when you can play in these big atmospheres like yeah. Allen Fieldhouse, uh, the new Moody Center that's coming in to – well, no, they're going to the SEC. They can – Yeah. Uh, the Farrell Center and Baylor. I mean, the Bramlage Coliseum, the Octagon. Dude, Texas Tech's home environment. Oh, yeah. Dude, when uh, – I forgot Kevin McCuller went as at KU now. Oh. If he go I – mean, when he returns to Lubbock – I'm anticipating it to be like the soccer games that they have in Europe when they have all the torches like <laughs> they just doing all the songs like so. <laughs> and they have all the flags waving like that that's that's my perspective on Texas Tech. Oh man, that, it's just a chaotic fan base. I that, mean, you you're going to get that a lot in the Big 12 yeah. too. It's just it's just fantastic. Yeah, I think if Gonzaga wants to move summer, which they really need to um, the Big 12 is definitely their best option. Speaking of Allen Fieldhouse, let's talk about Bill Self real quick, who is being suspended for the first four games of a self-imposed suspension by the university for recruiting violations that occurred in 2017. I don't I don't know if I should say this because I'm not 100% sure, but I thought I saw something on Twitter, maybe from Mike Vernon, that penalties from KU for KU from the NCAA could come at the end of the season. Yeah, I take that with a grain of salt, though. I feel like we've heard stuff like that for a while. That you know the penalties, the you know the sanctions are coming, but it seems like they've never come. So I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. Quite I do, frankly, I do recall it hearing hearing that from someone else. But I mean, I, I, dude, I can't take Mike Vernon seriously. I know he is he's not, a joke. He he's not he's not a credible source. I I trust that Bry, Bryson Stricker guy or <laughs> who, who's just completely addicted to football. Uh, more than basketball, but um, there's a few reductions to KU. They they uh, they can't have four official visits. Uh, uh, the reduction of uh, three total scholarships will be distributed over the next three years. Uh, they had no official visits for the late night at the fog as well. It was just the fans and the players and the coaches and staff. Uh, um, I mean, if this is really just a slap in the wrist, I mean, it's disappointing. I mean, it, like. No, no postseason ban. It's it's completely fine. And even with Bill Self staying at KU, it's completely fine. What I what I can't get behind is seeing Curtis Townsend still on the sideline. He should have been fired from the start. If he was really the one that was getting all 
getting into the ongoing investigations uh, with the allegations, um, he should be fired. I don't know why yeah. Dosolf is keeping him, uh, but we, I mean he'll be out. Uh, those two will be off the sideline uh, with a few cupcakes. They also got Duke as well, but Self will not be on the sideline uh, at for uh, as well. So I mean it's just really I mean yeah I mean it's really a surprise to you at this point. Is it is it really a surprise? I mean, like if this is going to be it, I'm going to be very severely disappointed okay. if the NCAA doesn't step in at all. I but. mean, you you want to think we're going to be disappointed? How about how about our friends from Stillwater? <laughs> yeah, they're going to be I mean, really it's just, pissed. It is just so pathetic, honestly. Let's, it is. Let's quickly go through all the Big Twelve games, John, because every single team is playing this week for the first time in a while. No I buys. Know. Once again, K-State's game is the most important, and you'll see why after we go through all these games. Um, let's go through them real quickly here, so we have time for keys. Texas Tech, TCU. 11 a.m., big noon kickoff is there for some reason. Joy McGuire plans on using all three quarterbacks we've seen from them this season, and for those reasons, I think TCU is going to win quite handily. I just don't see how that works. If they're going to try and yeah. use Tyler's show, Donovan Smith, and Baron Morton, um, I'm guessing I, I, I don't know what to think about Texas Tech anymore. Unless unless if it's fourth down conversions as well, the difference between TCU and Texas Tech is that TCU doesn't, well, offensively speaking, is that TCU doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, the offense has given up just six times all year, and the offense has give, is is in a really good groove that would that won't stop uh, against the tech against a decent Texas Tech defense. But from what we've seen, it's just not been great. Um, and then you factor in the home environment in which Texas Tech fans keep clamoring on Twitter. Oh, we're gonna red out AMG Carter <laughs> Stadium, Cactus Mafia. Here we come. Uh, yeah, it's not gonna happen. I, I. I love him, but I got to go TCU. Yeah, T- I think TCU is a pretty obvious pick. How about this, John? If I had told you that w- in week 10 of the season, Baylor and Oklahoma would be on ESPN I Plus, <laughs> I don't think you I don't think you would have believed oh me. Gosh. The top two teams in the Big 12 preseason poll are battling for middle of the pack in the Big Big 12, excuse me, on ESPN Plus. Um, two teams that have been pretty disappointing. I think whoever, they, both these teams are looking to turn to page and finish the season strong. Let's go ahead and keep moving along, John. Oklahoma State, Kansas. I think, oh, man, this is interesting. I think this could be a sneaky close game given Spencer Sanders' injury status. He's still kind of questionable based on what I know. We, we've seen the lines change. Yeah. And that might be the factor that they're putting in this consideration. And then on the other side, you you, you got to wonder if Jalen Daniels is good to go. Um, I do trust KU's quarterback situation a lot more because yeah. if, if Sanders is out, they're going to rely on shaky hands, <laughs> enthusiast, Gunnar it's, Gundy. Here's the thing, John. KU's defense is just, they are so, so awful. It's just like, I don't, can't I can't ever pick them. I can't trust a team whose defense is that bad, even with shaky hands, Gunnar Gundy. I, mean, I don't know. Well, on top of that, K, well, KU not only has a bye, um, which yeah, they that's can true. work some kinks out. Um, they forced a few turnovers against Baylor uh, two weeks ago as well. And as and as a K State fan, I really hate to admit this because because I might get booted from the show. <laughs> we gotta have Kansas win this game. Oh, if, we, so- if, if we if we want to win the Big Twelve. Well, not only do we have to beat Texas, but we got to get some help this yeah. week. Uh, I mean, we got to have KU beat Oklahoma State. Um, I don't know; it's just really depending on the quarterback situation. But uh, I, I am in the feel. I am feeling like it's going to be Jalen Daniel starting, Gunnar Gundy starting for Oklahoma State. It's going to be a track meet. I got to go with Kansas. Wow, you heard it here first. 
<laughs> a K-State Sports Podcast pick KU to beat a ranked Oklahoma State team. How about oh, that? Right I'm going with the Pokes, so I'm 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 sticking to my biases. All right, uh, West Virginia, Iowa State. Iowa State's still looking for their first win in the Big 12. Uh, yes or no, are they going to get it real quick? They're due. They're due? Okay. They are at home, so um, I think, you know, they should be able to get it. All right, now that we've done Wildcat headlines, gone around the Big 12, we are going to take a quick break. We will give our Keys to Victory and score prediction for the matchup against Texas as well as some Wamigo High School football next on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Rose. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Now we're giving our keys to victory keys for to the K-State versus Texas matchup. Tomorrow, 6 p.m., Fox at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. This is the third of three really important games in our schedule, John. Yep. Played really tough against TCU given the circumstances. We already know what happened against Oklahoma State. If we win this game and we, maybe we get a little help, like you mentioned, from other teams, we're, we're setting ourselves up in a really good position for Arlington. I'd say either three – but I think you Maybe, have to add yeah. four because Baylor, Baylor, I has two losses as well. Um, but you know, it's going to be a big game. I mean, it's this. This is going to be separation week in the Big Twelve. We have so many key fact, key factors uh, heading, uh, coming into play with some of these big games. Like I mentioned, the quarterback controversies and Lawrence. Uh, this one is just like you. You can expect a lot of the unexpected because K State they shut out Oklahoma State. Um, they just, possibly the best performance we've seen all year. Well, actually, it was the oh. best, best, best performance. Maybe all decade. <laughs> yeah, Honestly. in a long time. Um, but, you know, Texas, they're coming off of a bye week. They have all the talents in the world. They got all the big names, Quinn Ewers, uh, B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Xavier Worthy, who are able to show up uh, like they have, especially, when, especially over the past six or seven years. Texas has really had K-State's number. Yeah, I mean we've lost five in a row to Tech. We haven't beat five in a row. We haven't beaten them since we have twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. Well, no, it wouldn't be six. Oh well, because we we lost to them and we haven't we've lost to them since twenty seventeen. So yeah, twenty two. Yeah, five in a row. Okay. Look at me go math. Anyway, let's talk about the what I the question I first posed to you at the start of the show. Who would you have at quarterback if both are healthy? We both said Will Howard. Um, there's an argument to be made for Adrian Martinez. I mean, he was right. the start at the beginning of the season. It's kind of his team. You know, he said he had three really good games. Will Howard, you know, we know what we saw last year from him partially. You know, it's been two games basically from him this year. But I I would lean towards Will Howard. Here's my why I'm leaning towards Will Howard, John. I think the shift in offensive philosophy we've seen with Will Howard at quarterback is one that Mm K-State fans have wanted for a long time, being a little bit more modern, spreading out, trying to air it out a little bit more while still getting the running games involved. And – um, I don't. I mean, we shouldn't choose quarterbacks based on matchups, right? But yeah. when you look at how good Texas's run defense is compared to how poor their pass defense is, I mean, that's. I think that just screams Will Howard. And then also, I mean, he's been playing so well. You can't take the ball out of a kid's hands when he's playing when he is this hot. It just shows that um, what Will Howard offense. It, it's looking a lot more. It's two dimensional compared to what we've seen with Adrian Martinez, in which I mean, they they can get the RPOs going. Uh, any time and same goes for Will Howard as well but I mean the offense I don't know it feels like the offense at times under Martinez has stalled and I'm worried if if he's lining up against a pretty good run defense in Texas that you're gonna see a, a few occasional times especially in the third quarter because both teams offensively are just gonna stall out from based on what what we've seen from Gerald uh in the interview earlier 
Um, I, I, yeah, you, well, I had to point it out earlier, though. It's it's the hottest it's the hottest hand on the field. Um, I mean, he has he has all the momentum going. Um, I I have to lean towards Will Howard if yeah. that's the case. Yeah, let's go ahead and give some keys to victory, John. All right, so for K State, in order to win this game, you have to limit Bajon Robinson and Roshan Johnson um, from running the ball because I mean we've seen we've seen this throughout the year. They're just going to come at you. Um, ground and pound, just really limit. It. I mean, just really. Uh, I I don't really know how to describe it. It's just like a complete force, just uh, pressuring you to go back and back. And we've seen this before from the defense. Bend don't break. There could be a few times where we see uh, Bijan and Roshan um, just completely run it up the middle for K State's defense. And while K State was able to stop the Oklahoma State run last week, um, this is a whole different monster we're dealing with. And I think if you're able to do that with with limiting Robinson and Johnson, you put the game now in uh, you put the game now in uh, Quinn Ewers' uh, hands, and really, we've seen from Quinn Ewers over the past few weeks, he's he's pretty overrated. <laughs> um, dude, dude just keeps launching every hail mary like it's a home run or something. Um, I mean, he's. Um, I, I don't know. I, from a quarterback perspective, if you're able to provide an, enough pressure, just like you did with Spencer Sanders last week, I I, I mean, that could really be a, a big uh, big point for K-State to win this game. And then you'll also look at the wide receivers, uh, and the one that really stands out is going to be Xavier Worthy. He is a stud, but I'll take our corners almost every day. Um, I'll, I'll take I'll take Brent's Echo Boydo. Just everybody in that in that combination, I will take them any day, uh, and let's just hope Felix doesn't get held con- constantly, <laughs> constantly, dude. Um, but just looking at some of the stuff, I think this is going to be more for the K State defense. This is going to be one of their bigger games. Yeah, this is going to be a really tough challenge. I mean, obviously, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson are huge threats, and they're needed to be stopped. I mean, limiting them, containing them is important. I said limit yards after contact. Yeah, because I mean, Bijan Robinson is a physical runner. I mean, if we're able to make open field tackles or at least just slow them down enough for the rest of the team to get there, because we saw what happened against TC with Kendra Miller. He was running all over the place looking super slippery. We just could not make open field tackles against him. Um, one of my second keys is um, I think that one of the things that can give K-State fans hope, we heard it from Gerald, is how poorly t- uh, Texas has played in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, think about this, John. We've never really, early in the game, we haven't really gotten off to a bad start in any game I mean, like, I did the math. We've yeah. only trailed in 11% of the total time in Big 12 games. Because, I mean, we didn't we didn't trail against Oklahoma. We didn't trail against Texas Tech. We trailed for, like, eight minutes for a little bit against Iowa State. And then we trailed for, um, like, basically the fourth quarter and some change against TCU. Besides that, I mean, we've had leads on, you know, every single game. So if we're able to get off to the usual start that we are, I think our chances of winning are even higher given that Texas Tech – is it really? They're more. They're a team that blows leads instead of making big comebacks. And then the third key I have is to get creative with the run game. Yeah. Because that offensive line is going to have a tough challenge um, against that big defensive line. So if we're able to do some jet sweeps, keep that running game two dimensional, even if Will Howard's starting, give him a few chances to run the ball. I think that'll really go a long way. Uh, let's go ahead and get a score prediction from you, John, before we get out of here. Well, I think also you got to get the wide receivers going as well. Yeah. With, uh, Phil, Malik, and Kate as well. Um, for this game, 
I think, well, Texas, you just mentioned it, one and six on the road. Um, I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's going to be a really, it's going to be a really close matchup, especially if Texas opens up a run game, but I'm not seeing it. I think K-State's going to get to Quinn Ewers at, at possibly some of the worst times. K-State's secondaries are going to do a great job of covering Worthy, um, I think K-State's defense is going to stand out. We've seen, we've seen a letdown performance already against Tulane. I think they learned from their lesson. I got K-State winning this one. Let's go 30, oh man, 38-35. Wow. 38-35 is a good one. I went a little more on the blow, not blowout side, but I went 38-27. I think we're going to put up a really good performance here and uh, you know give our chances of Arlington just a little bit more likely. But thank you so much for listening to our K-State sports portion of the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Up next, we're going to preview Wamego High School football and Cats by 90. Cats by 90. 